You have put a new song in my mouth. You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise, a sound that resonates, that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend, request me, or follow me, and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as can during the week, but I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's book. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T. Dot com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T dot com. And today is the 7th day of June 2021. The guest caller number is 917-889-8827. The link to the radio show is blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon. And the text to what we are going to be reading today is posted on Zion's Redemption Radio Network, which is a Facebook page on Facebook, also at Zion's Redemption Bookstore. 
So today we're going to be reading the gift of prophecy and a revelation, chapter 9 of Holy Priesthood, volume 5. Um, but before we do that, uh, so uh, I've decided that I am uploading the old radio shows to the YouTube, but not the new ones. Um, I just, it takes too long to do the uploads on the phone, and it, I want to save the old programs. Now, the last, last night I was driving, and I was listening to one of the programs, and uh, all was great until I did something with my mic, and then you can't even understand it. But luckily, I did a, uh, a YouTube live stream on that, so I didn't upload the, uh, the audio to YouTube because I already had a video with me reading it like two and a half years ago. Anyway, it's uh, 95 Thesis Part 3, starting with the fall of the U.S. government and uh, the different statements of the leaders throughout the years and how they change. So, um, so it's interesting, and I enjoyed listening to it, um, even though I'm the one that was reading it. Anyway, but uh, my my daughter is doing a uh, softball game right now, and she's almost done. They're in the last inning, but my wife is not able to get on and read right now, and I'm not in a place where I can read. So I'm going to play the second endowment, and that's about 15 minutes long, and hopefully by the time we get back, we'll be able to, to be in a place where I can read. So here's that. This is the second endowment. Um, all right, we'll uh, go to that point. School of the Prophets, the first oath and covenant of the priesthood. All those who enter into the School of the Prophets or the Relief Society shall have taken the oath and covenant of the priesthood upon them, which oath is done by raising both hands to the square and saying, O Father, unto thee I pledge my oath. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I will do all in my power to bring thy kingdom upon the earth. I covenant with thee that I will take thee as my law, and I will obey thy revelations unto me, whether they be revelations given to me or to another, but which are confirmed to me. It is the same. I know that ye cannot fail, and that I must obey the law upon which any blessing is predicated to get the good of that blessing. Even so, amen. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the school of the sons and daughters of the gods, even the school of of magi and of prophets and of seers and of of priests and priestesses kings and queens i am the teacher that hath been appointed for this school and i am standing in my place at the head of the circle for there shall be established a circle with a triangle in the middle the teacher and priest at the head of the circle is elijah the king upon the right side is called messiah and the magi upon the left is called elias you have come unto the house of the Lord to receive your second endowment in the school of the prophets and in the Relief Society. The mysteries of God shall be revealed unto you in the bonds of brotherhood, sisterhood, charity, and love. All the rooms which ye shall meet in for the school of the prophets from this day forth shall be dedicated as a temple unto the living God, which is his house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God. Wherefore, if ye will obey the order of this house, ye will speak in turn, walk in turn, and let the love and charity 
that ye have one for another grow as ye perform these binding ordinances. For the order of the ordinances in this house alone will expand the love ye have for one another. The dedicatory prayer is a prayer of dedication by the inspiration of the Spirit, dedicating it as a school and temple of God. Inviting God into the house or dedicated room. Also take a white handkerchief and waving them say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Amen, Amen, and Amen. Now all those who wish to accept the obligations and blessings of the endowment, please raise your hands. Very well. Washing of feet. The holy priest is the holder washing the feet shall invite the patron to sit down and place a basin of water in front of him to put his feet in. The holy priest of the holder will then take off his garments and set them nearby and gird himself with a long towel like a temple robe over one shoulder. He will then kneel down and begin the washing of the feet, saying, Brother, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son of God, I wash your feet, preparatory to receiving your second anointing in the house of the Lord, that you may rule and reign in the house of Israel, or Adam, forever. And at this time wash you clean, every whit, that you are now clean from the blood and sins of this generation. I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, and again I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, that you may be called up and come forth in the morning of the first resurrection, and be clean without spot at the judgment bar of God, for you have done your part to warn the people of this generation, ridding your garments of their blood. Wherefore I declare by the authority of the holy priesthood that you are clean, and that your sins are forgiven if ye have repented. And I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This does not need to be the exact wording, but it, this is an example of the washing of feet. Salute. Now behold, mine son, after this has been done, he shall be accepted into the school by raising both hands high in the salute, and the priest and the priest shall also raise his hands high in the salute, and the priest shall say, Art thou a brother or brethren? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which covenant I receive you to fellowship in a, in a determination that is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother through the grace of God and the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless, in thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. And he that is found unworthy of this salutation shall not have place among you, for ye shall not suffer that mine house shall be polluted by him. And he that cometh in and is faithful before me, and is a brother, or if they be brethren, they shall salute the president or teacher with uplifted hands to heaven with this same prayer, and covenant, or by saying, Amen, in token of the same. For behold, these words I give, gave to Joseph Smith, and they have not been abrogated. This shall be done in every session of the School of the Prophets and the Relief Society. Healing and Blessing Sisters are to give each other blessings of healing and comfort by the laying on of hands in the Relief Society. Brethren are to do the same when they are moved upon to do so. Brethren and sisters may also bless and dedicate handkerchiefs to assist in the healing of the sick, as well as blessing and dedicating other objects for purposes of power in the priesthood. Objects which are for protection and not for healing should be blessed with a rod or wand. Being Married to Christ 
Do you have faith that Jesus is the Christ? Yes. Then confess his name and covenant to never deny him as a testimony to the world. The Initiate's Own Words Then, thus saith the Lord to my messenger, Verily, verily, I say unto you, my son, I give unto you a commandment, declaring unto you that they who receive you receive me, and if they receive me, they receive him that sent you, to salute them with my salutation in remembrance of my everlasting covenant, which I have received you to fellowship. May they receive you also as you receive them, that they may be clean from the blood of this generation, and be received by the washing of the feet. For unto this end was the ordinance of washing of feet instituted, being bound together in the bonds of brotherly love, and sealed together by the covenant of life and peace, which covenant abideth forever with the celestial saints. Or in other words, the married to Christ. And he that continueth not in this covenant shall not have place among you, for ye shall not suffer my house to be polluted by them, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. All those in the school shall then either wash one another's feet, or give the holy kiss in token of the same. And they shall say to one another, Do you receive me to be your friend and brother? Are you willing to salute me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in token and or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which you receive me to fellowship, in a determination that is fixed, immutable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God, in the bonds of love, to walk in their commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving forever and ever? Amen. Amen. Are you willing to show to the world that you are clean from the blood of this generation? Do you covenant with me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? and in the presence of these witnesses, that you will love your companions in life as Christ loves the church, that you will cherish each other, comfort each other, forsaking all others who are not in the holy order, so long as you live? Yes. Having authority, I seal thee, brother, unto the anointed gods, even Christ, both male and female, and seal thee unto myself as mine own son in the first household of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now men may be sealed to their wives in the second sealing, by taking them by the hand and saying, Art thou my sister? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which I covenant to receive you to fellowship, in a determination which is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God, in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, sisters, may also make the covenant and say, Amen, in token of the same. Also to the unmarried, I the Lord willeth that you should, be, you should marry in, in the order, that I may have a pure people, saith the Lord. All who have covenanted to only marry within the holy order, say, Amen. Amen. This order shall not be broken by any until they themselves stand in the garden of paradise, ready to fall, lest they be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Covenant to enter into a united order. The patron receiving it will put his arm to the square and repeat after he who is administering the covenant, saying, I, brother, so-and-so, do covenant and promise before God, angels, and these brethren in the united order, that I will consecrate all my mind, strength, and wealth unto this united order and that I will hold all things in common with my brethren according to my stewardship, and I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Baptism into the United Order After dedicating the water and going into the water as described above, you hold on to the one being baptized and raising your right arm 
to the square you say. Brother, by the authority of the Melchizedek Priesthood, which I hold, I baptize you into the Order of Enoch, which is the united order before God, and I say this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You then immerse them in the water, and then undedicate the water. The Meal of the Prophets The members of the school and or relief society shall sit at a table. A glass of wine and a small stack of flatbread shall be provided for each member. A blessing shall be given. O Father, which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this bread to all the souls which shall partake of it, that they may do it in fellowship and brotherhood, being knit in one through the love of Christ, which is charity. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. O Father, which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this wine to the souls which shall drink of it, that they may do it in the Spirit, worshipping thee and their mother in spirit and in truth, being knit in one through charity, the greatest of all. For we know that if we are not one, then we are not yours. Even so, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The washing of with alcohol. When only men are present, then there can be a washing with a cloth and alcohol. Brother, having authority, I wash your body clean, that it may be healthy, strong, and full of virtue and power. I wash your sins away with charity, making your garments white, even making thee clean every whit of the blood and sins of this generation. I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Provisional Anointing Brother, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I pour this holy consecrated oil upon thy head, and give unto thee, unto you a holy anointing. I anoint and ordain thee a king and a priest of the Most High God, to rule and reign in the house of Israel forever, predicated upon this anointing being sealed. I give thee power to bind on earth, and have it bound in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt curse shall be cursed, and whomsoever thou shalt bless shall be blessed. But remember that these things must be done in accordance with those things which have been done before the foundations of the world. I bless thee that ye shall come forth in the first and holy resurrection, and I even ordain you to be one of the sons Amen. I bless thy head and mind that you may receive revelations in carrying on the work. I bless thy eyes that ye may see visions and the eternal worlds. I bless thy nose that ye may smell the sweet smells of the eternal worlds. I bless thy mouth that ye may speak truth. I give thee this holy anointing in the name of Elohim, and in the name of Jehovah, and in the name of the Godhead of this earth, even Michael, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, who presides over the spirit of just men and women made perfect. Amen. Patriarchal Blessing Brother, by the authority of the patriarchal priesthood and in the and the priesthood after the order of the Son, I lay my hands upon your head and give you a patriarchal blessing in the school of the prophets. Then you shall give the blessing by the Spirit, and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Council of the Prophets The keys of the holy kiss shall be given. The first or ironic sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left, and then the right again, and saying, Peace be upon you. The second or Melchizedek sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left cheek, and then the forehead, and saying, Peace be upon you. The third or patriarchal sign of the holy kiss is to kiss upon the lips and saying, God be with you. The first holy kiss is for brethren and sisters in the priesthood and siblings. The second holy kiss is for parent and child in the priesthood or familial bonds. The third holy kiss is for eternal mates or fellow eternal 
members of the holy order of the opposite gender that you love or are attracted to and feel close enough to, sufficient to merit this kiss. If the motion of this kiss, holy kiss is not reciprocated, then continue with the first in all charity and love. Let all receive it. Let all who are present give the appropriate holy kiss to those sitting upon their right hand and upon their left, and saying unto them, Peace be upon you, or God be with you, or Shalom in token of the same. That will do. Now the members of the holy, the school of, or the least society shall return to the circle and a rod presented. Brethren and sisters, this rod is the rod of the word of God, and whoever shall hold the rod hath the right to speak, and all others must be silent until the possessor of the rod hath finished speaking. If you desire to speak, you should put your right foot forward until he who possesses the rod shall give thee the rod. Now if he shall continue to speak long enough after that, that it seemeth he is ignoring a brother or a sister, or a mother or a father, or a son or a daughter in the Lord, then all shall put their feet out also. He shall then repent himself of speaking and give the rod away. The rod is the word of and law of God, and that which is confirmed by the members. Having felt the Spirit shall be considered scripture. Members shall confirm a saying by raising both hands above their head and repeating it, and then saying Amen, after it hath been proposed for a vote. Behold, brethren, now that we are one, let the mysteries be opened up unto us. Okay, so tonight we're going to be doing, the, we're going to continue on the reading. Um, Mark is in a weird area, so he cannot um, get on just yet, but he will. It, it always seems like uh, in the summertime that we have some crazy schedules going on, but tonight my daughter played her first softball game, and they won, so she was super excited. Good job. And um, I was there helping her, so we had to uh, be a little bit late on the program. Sorry about that. Um, but let's see, we're going to continue on with the reading from yesterday. I just have to open his up um, online. So if you want to call in, our call-in number is 917-889-8827, and that call line will still be open. Um, raise your, you, to raise your hand, you just have to push one to get unmuted. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about the gift of prophecy in Revelation, chapter 9 of Holy Priesthood, volume 5. And it'll be pages 101 to 125 tonight, and as far as I can get to re be reading at least. <laughs> um, so first I will, I don't know if he did the dedication or not, so I will go ahead and do the dedication first. And then we will get right into the reading. Okay. Our Father in heaven, we come before thee this evening and just give thee thanks and praise. We are so grateful, Father, for the time that we have to spend time with thee and with thy word. We're thankful for the time that we get to spend with our family. And we hope to doing all the things that thou would have us do. We, we hope that we can speak the words that thou would have us speak and be able to teach and learn with one another. We're thankful for the people who fellowship and who pass on thy word and are always willing to learn. 
We ask thee to be with us this evening. Watch over our friends and our family. Watch over the listeners of the program and help them to feel thy spirit and help us all to have thy spirit to be with us. We ask thee to open our hearts and our minds. Help us to be believing as children and help us to feel thy spirit as the words that you have given us tonight teach truth that we know what it is that thou would have us learn. These things we give thanks for and pray for in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we're going to get right into the reading right now. And it's going to be, again, the gift of prophecy and revelation, chapter 9 of Holy Priesthood, volume 5, pages 101 to 125. Okay. Sorry, I'm just going to find a place so that way I can just read it. Okay. Now it was the custom among all the Nephites to appoint for their chief captain someone that had the spirit of revelation and also prophecy. Third Nephi, chapter 3, verse 19. Of all the nations and churches selected leaders, who had the gift of prophecy and revelation, what a great world it would be. The less revelation received, the more corrupt the world becomes. The prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, this is from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 338, quote, we can see that the doctrine of revelation far transcends the doctrine of no revelation. For one truth revealed from heaven is worth all the sectarian notions in existence. Again, that's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 338. When a prophet says, thus saith the Lord, people can have a great deal of trust and confidence in that prophet. We never suffered ourselves to go into any important measure without asking Brother Joseph to inquire of the Lord in relation to it. Such was our confidence in him as a prophet that when he said, thus saith the Lord, we were confident it would be as such, or as he said. And the more we tried it, the more confidence we had, for we never found his word to fail in a single instance. That is from Alexander McRae, Deseret News, Volume 1, 1854. Now we're on page 102. Joseph said, Thus saith the Lord, almost every day of his life, in laying the foundation of this work. That's from Joseph Fielding Smith, Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 225. In this regard, William McLean, or McClellan, sorry, related an interesting account of how Joseph Smith received revelations. I, William McClellan, as scribe, have written B&C revelations from the mouth of both the revelators, Joseph Smith and David Whitmer. And I have been present many times when others wore or wrote for Joseph. Therefore, I speak as one having experience. The scribe seats himself at a desk or table with ink, pen, and paper. The subject of inquiry being understood, the prophet and revelator inquires of God. He spiritually sees, hears, and feels, and then speaks as he is moved upon by the Holy Ghost. The thus saith the Lord sentence after sentence and waits 
for his Amenaeuses or Amenunces. Amenunces. Sorry, I haven't seen that before. To write, to write, and then read aloud each sentence. Thus, they proceed until the revelator says, "Amen." At the close of what is then communicated, I have known both these those men mentioned above to seat themselves and without premonition, to thus deliver in broken sentences some of the most sublime pieces of composition which I ever perused in any book. That comes from Ensign of Liberty. Uh, It just says 1 and then 1849, pages 98 through 99. So I guess that is uh, volume 1 of Ensign of Liberty uh, from 1849, pages 98 and 99. The prophet Amos said, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. That's Amos chapter 3, verse 7. This is another way of saying, if we are not getting revelation, the Lord is doing nothing with us. So, has revelation ceased? That's a great question. John A. Whitso explained the reason why revelation ceases to be given. This comes from... Evidences and Reconciliations from Woodso, page 258. Revelation may be received in various ways, but it always presupposes that the revelator has so lived and conducted himself as to be in tune or harmony with the divine spirit of revelation, the spirit of truth, and therefore capable of receiving divine messages. End quote. Again, that's from Evidences and Reconciliations of Woodso, page 258. And now we're on page 103. And I was just going to say, that is a really good reminder for those of us who are trying to get revelation or want to. Um, it has to gate back and forth with God. So you're talking with him and you're asking him questions and you have to be open and ready to receive revelation and act upon the revelation that is given. So they were there and ready with their pen and ink and they were ready to write the revelation down and then asking the questions and being moved on by the spirit as to what um, revelation was given. So um, I know that revelation can be given many different ways. Um, I've uh, gotten revelation where it was visions, which is a little bit different kind of revelation, Um, but also revelation where it's uh, spoken to you. You can hear an audible voice. Um, And then also revelation where you might be, I, like my husband, he'll drive, be driving down the road, and then all of a sudden he will just get revelation. Um, he's gotten that where he had to pull over and write stuff down. Um, also, I've been on the phone with him, uh, uh, I think a couple of times, where he's, he's asked me, can you please uh, write this down, and then I will describe for him because he's obviously driving. Um, so there's several ways to do that, to be able to receive revelation. and. Um, I feel like it's probably hard to get it if you're not trying. So it's probably like every other muscle. You just have to exercise it in order to be able to um, practice it and make it a little bit easier. So, okay. Um, So continuing on with page 103. One of the primary means of disrupting communication with the Lord is to disbelieve the revelations which he has already given. So when you're getting revelation, you need to be all believing um, and helping. And then even once you do get revelation, 
um, you can go back and check it. You can pray to God and ask him about it and make sure that's what it is that you are hearing. That's what he should be uh, or what you should be receiving. Um, Brigham Young said, I told the people that if they would not believe the revelations that God had given, he would suffer the devil to give revelations that they priests and people would follow after. Have I seen this fulfilled? I have. I told the people that as true as God lives, if they would not have truth, they would have error sent unto them, and they would believe it. That's, end quote, Deseret News, June 18, 1873. Prophets and revelators have che a checkerboard appearances throughout the history of the world. There have been only a few prophets in comparison to the massive numbers of people, yet they have held the power to warn, guide, or bring destruction upon the disobedient. The Bible is an excellent record of the, that mighty force. The scholars of Zondervan Encyclopedia of the Bible express the importance of continuous or progressive revelation. In the following statement, this is from volume four, page 895 of Van Encyclopedia of the Bible. Quote, realization of the principle of progressive revelation, the Bible is not simply a book of rules or of theological propositions. <clears throat> it sets forth the way in which God presented his truth to human beings. Little by little, he revealed great and important truths as he led people into the understanding of what he desired them to know. The principle of progressive revelation needs to be recognized if scripture is to be correctly interpreted. Volume 4, page 895. This biblical authors relate, these biblical authors relate examples showing the need for continuous or progressive revelation. They are to, number one, rebuke persons, a people, or a nation for their sins. Number two, warn of judgments or catastrophe. Number three, encourage the people of God. Number four, reveal further information about God and his creation. Number five, give practical and helpful guidance to serve as an answer to prayer. Number seven, appoint or recognize certain persons. Number eight, make preparations for the coming Messiah. Number nine, instruct with further light and knowledge of the gospel. Number 10, provide prophetic powers as a blessing and comfort. Until about 400 B.C., the prophetic movement was prominent in Israel. Time and again, individuals came forward declaring the word of God, boldly facing political leaders and denouncing them for their sins, giving encouragement to God's people or announcing God's will as the next step to be taken. Zondervan Encyclopedia of the Bible, Volume 4, page 884. Only a few years after the time of Christ, revelation to the church ceased, not by strange coincidence. Revelation also ceased to be given to the LDS church shortly after the restoration. When people refuse to believe in revelations of the Lord, he refuses to give them any more. There are many reasons for revelation to be given, but only one for it to cease. The prophet Joseph explained in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 270, quote, because faith is wanting, the fruits are, oh, because faith is wanting, the fruits are. No man since the world has, has faith without having something along with it. The ancients quenched the violence, violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Women received their dead, etc. By faith, the worlds were made. A man who has none of the gift has no faith, and he deceives himself if he supposes. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 270. We're now on page 105. 
The Holy Ghost is one of the greatest gifts which God has given to man, yet it can easily be lost or forfeited. But by not using such a gift, it will wither away like a muscle not used. The Holy Ghost is given for self-guidance, self-preservation, and self-protection. But if we fail to use it or allow another to deter us from using it, we will lose the gift entirely. Anciently, Revelation was vital to the ministry and operation of the church. Many Book of Mormon prophets spoke by the gift and power of revelation, i.e., notwithstanding the many revelations and the many things which I had seen concerning these things, for I truly had heard the voice of the Lord speaking unto me in their every word. It says in very word, sorry, from time to time. That's Jacob chapter 7, verse 5. And this is Alma 8, 24. I have been called to preach the word of God among all this people according to the spirit of revelation and prophecy. Again, Alma 8, 24. And this is Helaman 11, 23. Nephi and Lehi and many of their brethren who knew concerning the true points of doctrine, having many revelations daily, therefore they did preach it unto the people. That's Helaman chapter 11, verse 23. And this last quote is from 3 Nephi chapter 7, verse 15. And it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels, and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels and being eyewitness, and having had power given unto him. Quote, and that's Third Nephi, chapter 7, verse 15. Today we should be aware of men who are led by their own learning and wisdom, and who have disregarded the principle of revelation, assuming that whatever they decide must be inspired of the Holy Ghost. That is bad enough, but when other people begin to believe in him, or believe him, then it becomes a double transgression. When a leader assumes he is a revelator and the people who assume he is, then it becomes a fraud, like the story of the emperor and his invisible new clothes. No one wants to admit the obvious truth for fear of being accused of being different or wicked or apostate. However, the same, when some innocent soul discovers the truth and inquires, where are his clothes? Where are the revelations? Then the deception is exposed. One of the prominent but dangerous doctrines of the LDS Church today is that our leaders will get all the revelations and all we have to do is follow them. The Prophet Joseph Smith warned about such a thing, however, and stated in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 322, quote, The Israelites prayed that God would speak to Moses and not to them, in consequence of which he cursed them with a carnal law, end quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 322. In other words, the people wanted to bypass their responsibility of getting revelation for themselves, as it was so much easier to leave it for the leaders. But if God cursed the Israelites anciently for such an attitude, why wouldn't he do the same with the Mormons now? People love the follow the brethren syndrome because it's easy. Getting revelation for yourself requires effort, study, work, and worthiness. Since most people are mentally and spiritually lazy, following the brethren provides an excellent avenue of escape, relieving them from the burden of responsibility. Why do work when someone else can do it for us? However, if someone else does the work, they should get the reward. We can never know what the prophets have known unless it is revealed to us. Bruce R. McConkie said in Mortal Messiah, Volume 1, page 32, quote, All of the prophets who have seen within the veil have known many things that were never preserved and passed on to their posterity and to the residue of men. Joseph Smith and the early brethren in this dispensation knew much that we would not that we do not know, 
and will not know until we attain the same spiritual stature that was theirs. And quote, that again is from Mortal Messiah, volume one, page 32, and we're on page 107 now. The prophet Joseph gave the saints then and now some very vital counsel pertaining to personal revelation. It says in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, pages 11 and 12, quote, search the scriptures, search the revelations, which we publish, and ask your heavenly father in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to manifest the truth unto you. And if you do it with an eye single to his glory, nothing doubting, he will answer you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You will then know for yourself and not for another. You will not then be dependent on man for the knowledge of God, nor will there be any room for speculation. No, for when men receive their instruction from him that made them, they know how he will save them. End quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 11 and 12. <clears throat> Joseph began his statement with the exhortation for the saints to search the scriptures and to pray for God to manifest the truth unto you. Scripture plays a vital role in our instruction and should certainly not be considered as the work of dead prophets. Joseph went on to say in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 29, quote, I hope you will search the scriptures to see whether these things are not also consistent with those things which the ancient prophets and apostles have written. End quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 29. The revelations are consistent in all ages. President Joseph Fielding Smith wisely said, if I ever say anything which is contrary to the scriptures, then the scriptures prevail. That's Church News, August 23rd, 1975. And now we're on page 108. When Peter wrote, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, the Catholics and many Mormons said it means the church must interpret the scriptures for the people. The next verse, however, helps us understand what Peter meant. For the prophecy came not in old time, but the will of by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's in verse 21. In other words, the prophecies in the scriptures did not come by the will of man, but through revelations of the Holy Ghost. The Lord further clarified in D&C 68 verse 4, quote, And whatsoever they shall speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. End quote. D&C chapter 68, verse 4. The problem is knowing when a person truly speaks or writes by the power of the Holy Ghost. Elder J. Reuben Clark explained in Church News, July 31st, 1954, page 9, Quote, we can tell when the speakers are moved upon by the Holy Ghost, only when we ourselves are moved upon by the Holy Ghost, end quote. Again, that's Church News, July 31st, 1954, page 9. The early Christian church suffered when the wisdom of man suppl or supplanted revelation. As revelation decreased, man's learning and power increased. A mountain stream is most pure and clear at its source. But by the time it reaches the Mississippi River, the waters are polluted and unfit to drink. As a church grows, its purity decreases. The early Christian church followed the same pattern. Before the 6th century, Christianity had become mongrelized system, a mongrelized system of religious truth incorporated with worldly riches and customs and philosophies of men. 
Church leaders had made such significant changes that the scripture and the course of the church were so different. They could scarcely be recognized as coming from the same source of light. As a case in point, Reverend Wiley described in History of Protestantism, chapter 1, verse 5, quote, An archbishop of Maine, lighting upon a Bible and looking into it, expressed himself thus, of a truth I do not know what book this is, but I perceive everything in it is against us, end quote. Again, History of Protestantism, Volume 1, page 5. When Revelation was no longer present in the early Christian church, the leaders tried to keep the scriptures away from the members, or at least discourage the reading of them. Emphasis was placed on the need to follow only the leading brethren of the church. There are certain similarities to this condition in our present LDS church, as many of the early writings become more and more inaccessible and are labeled as incorrect by the current leaders. Generally speaking, there are two major areas of revelation from the Lord. Apostle C.W. Penrose explained in Journal of Discourse, Volume 23, page 355, quote, The man standing at the head holds the keys of the revelation to the church, but each individual may receive revelation for himself. If he has the gift of the Holy Ghost and the spirit by which God reveals through the head is the same spirit by which he reveals to the individual for his own benefit, end quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 23, page 355. Thus, the two classes or divisions of revelation from God are, number one, to individuals for the personal benefit, and number two, to church leaders for the benefit of the church in general. The prophet Joseph Smith explained how important individual revelation is. In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 205 and 206, quote, And we shall at last have to come to this conclusion, whatever we may think of revelation, that without it we can neither know nor understand anything of God or the devil. And however unwilling the world may be to acknowledge this principle, it is evident from the multifarious creeds and notions concerning this matter that they understand nothing of this principle. And it is equally as plain that without a divine communication, they must remain in ignorance. End quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 205 and 206. Reading the experience of others or revelation given to them can never give us a comprehensive view of our condition and true relation to God. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 324. We can never comprehend the things of God and of heaven but by revelation. We may, oh, I'm sorry, this just, um, it just glitched on me, so I now I have to get back into it. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Uh-huh, yeah, I can. Okay, I've just been waiting for you to have a break. So, um, a glitch, yep, because I know they come. Anyway, um, so one of the examples I like to give of the church not letting the members have the scriptures, like, that was easier easier in the uh, olden days before the Gutenberg Press was invented in the 1380, I think the 1380s, 1300s, because, you know, they had to write the Bible's uh, down with their own, you know, scribes, um, so they could chain the Bible to the pulpit, which is what they did. 
um, and the people couldn't have them. And in fact, when the Gutenberg Press came up, the first book that they printed was the Bible, and people got in trouble for it. Uh, in fact, the reason why we have the Bible in English is because Tyndale decided that it needed to be done in English, and he was, I think he was burned at the stake for it. And his last words were, God, open the eyes of the King of England, which uh, is interesting. That was Henry VIII, who I am a direct descendant of, um, which is interesting, but not very flattering when you figure out who this guy was. Anyway, but um, so, you know, like for years and years and years, they, they tried to get the Bible to the people. Um, but now in our day and age, everybody has a version of the Bible. But what they do in the LDS church is, okay, so I have to lay out a little bit of a, I don't even know what you'd call it. So what happened? Oh, okay, so I took two year, uh, two semesters, not two years, two semesters just in the book of Ephesians. And it was awesome. I loved it. Every four years in the LDS gospel doctrine curriculum, you get to peruse the, the, the book of Ephesians for one Sunday. You have, they say an hour, but it's not really an hour, because if you cut off the first part and the last part, you probably get 40 minutes, maybe, and you just hit on key topics or whatever. But, like, in the Doctrine and Covenants, when they do that, like, they might go over some section, and you'll be like, well, what about this? And you want to talk about that. But in the Gospel Doctrine Manual, it says stick to the script. Stick to what we tell you you can talk about. And in doing this, they uh, basically cause the members who are not studying the scriptures on their own and not studying for the lessons, uh, to be restricted in their, their thoughts, knowledge, and understanding, uh, and to be able to talk about these things one with another. Uh, and if you do a, a personal study group, I've heard of many people being excommunicated for having their own personal study group. So you're not even allowed to talk about it with other people who are of like mind. You know, and in this way, through the correlation department, they can control the thoughts, actions, and ideas of the members of the church, which is, uh, um, let's see, that, that goes against free agency because they don't want you to apostatize, but anybody who finds out the truth is going to apostatize because the church is already in apostasy. And, like, I have people tell me, oh, you're an apostate. Well, am I really? Am I really? Because um, if I'm a if I am going with the truth and the church is in apostasy and I'm restoring truth, which is what God has commanded me to do, then am I really the apostate or is it the church itself? So, um, and yes, I have been sent by God. He has told me to do these things um, and to be a bold witness to him. And I do those things, and uh, I'm cut off for it. So, anyway, and, and 
Satan wants to make sure that, uh, you know, that people don't listen to me. So people have uh, the thought in their head, oh, don't listen to him. And they just listen to, to that instead of, uh, you know, hearing what I have to say and then going to God and getting revelation on their own. So one of the topics before I go back to, um, before we go back to Kim reading, so the other day I was explaining a vision that God gave me about who Lucifer was, who God is, who I am, how I was chosen, the war in heaven, the rebellion of Lucifer before he became Satan, and others of they who were mighty and strong who fell with him. And then God um, went among the noble and great ones to choose people from among them to fill the vacancy in the quorum of the mighty and strong ones. And then he chose me to fill the, uh, the place that Lucifer rebelled from. And uh, I was explaining these things. And one of the people that I really like, uh, Dwayne Hafen, I respect him, but he was trying to tell me, you need to go back and look at what the meaning of the word is in Hebrew, which I have. It's Hillel, or Hillel. Anyway, uh, Lucifer is the Latin version of the same thing in Hebrew, and they both mean the same thing, the bearer of light and truth, which is the true meaning and title of God the Witness or the Holy Ghost. But he was trying to tell me I need to go back into, you know, to study these things out that are blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I respect him, and I didn't tell him this. I do respect you, but I can learn all of that stuff. But how do you know that those things were already corrupted by the time, you know, whatever, somebody said something in the 1400s or whenever it was said? I get my truth from God. When I study history and I study the entomology of words, I find it all interesting and I love doing that, but then I take it to God and I get truth from Him because His interpretation and definition of words is the only interpretation and definition of words that I'm interested in. I like to find out about, you know, what other people have said, but And scripture without revelation, personal revelation, confirmation. I'm sorry. uh, Can you just say that one more time? It did break up at that last thing that you just said. I'm sorry. Oh, um, I was just saying that that, uh, other people are no authority. The only authority that we should go to is the authority. Not of the, even the scriptures have no authority without uh, revelation and confirmation of the truth by the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It only matters what God says. We can study things out, but we ultimately we've got to stand on our own two feet and get revelation for ourselves. All right, I'm going in sunny side depth, so I'm going to mute myself. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. And, of course, right when you say that, then I'm like, okay, got to click back in. <laughs> um, where we had left off at. Um, This is from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 292, quote, We never can comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. 
We may spiritualize and express opinions to all eternity, but that is no authority. End quote. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 292. Two of the great church fathers, Oregon, uh, one nine, or 185 to 253 A.D., and Augustine, 353 to 430 A.D., spoke of the principle of revelation and spiritual gifts of proof for the divine origin of Christianity. Origin, Oregon, it's either origin or Oregon, showed how the Jews were. Quote, this from, comes from Contra Celesium 2, page 8. Quote, entirely abandoned by God, and they no longer possess spiritual gifts, so that not the slightest indication of divinity was to be had among them, for they no longer have prophets and wonders, of which some traces may still be found among the Christians. End quote. That's from Contra Celesum, uh, Volume 2, page 8. He is not only showing the departure of God from the Jews, but also that only some traces of these spiritual gifts remained among the Christians. This was less than 200 years from the ministry of Christ and should be of some concern to the present-day Mormons, as there exists only some traces of those gifts today. Page 111. Just as the true Church of Christ prided themselves in Revelation as evidence of their favor with the Lord, so the absence of Revelation proved their apostasy. When human wisdom and learning began to replace sorry, <laughs> revelations from God, changes were made in the ordinances, and some of the offices were eliminated. Temporal power supplant, or supplanted spiritual power. The poor were excluded from the church positions and were replaced by the wealthy. The spiritual church became a business, and the humble prophetic man, men were replaced with professionals. Ecclesiastical laws were substituted with worldly laws. Pride and arrogance became more common than humanity and spirituality, and members were threatened if they did not pledge allegiance to the leaders and their authority. Yet, as each alteration and substitution took place, it was claimed to be done by revelation. So cunning and shrewd were these perversions of the gospel that the people didn't even know it was wrong, and many still don't. To help us solve our problems, Jesus counseled in Matthew 7, 7, quote, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. End quote. Again, that's Matthew 7, 7. He is saying that God, not the bishop, nor even the church president, will provide the answers. Um, I just wanted to say really quickly in that they're talking a lot about truth there and like there used to be a patriarch and not just like a patriarch of the branch or the ward or the um, just the area patriarch. There isn't one of those. There used to be a patriarch of the church, the head of the church and the patriarch could actually excommunicate the president like he had high authority in the church um, and he was up there, but they discontinued that specific calling and now they feel like oh well it's just it's just a bunch of patriarchs that are now taking on that that's incorrect it used to be that same way there wasn't just one over the whole church are you there correct yeah can you hear yeah. me uh-huh. yep i can yeah so say it again eldridge g smith was the last patriarch of the church and yep. he was released as an emeritus 70 over the patriarch of the whole church. And yep. uh, 
they never called another one. And they did it because uh, they, you know, he had more authority than they did, actually. Yeah. Just like Hiram did. Hiram had more authority. That's what I was saying. He, yep. he could excommunicate the, uh, the leader. Um, but now, like, they get rid of that office, and now they are untouchable, they think. You know, it's just yep. Babylonian businessmen hijacking the church pretending to be something mm-hmm. that they're not, which is all that has happened. But he died, Eldridge G. Smith died in 2013, which is really interesting because that happened in April of 2013. And in July of 2013, God told me to sever the ordinances of all the holy people or the priesthood of all the holy people, which, which is a prophecy found in Daniel chapter 12 where the man clothed in linen discovers the power of all the holy people in the last days, and the power is the priesthood. And that prophecy was fulfilled by myself at the direct command of the Father in 2013, shortly after the death of Eldridge G. Smith. So. Yeah, I was also going to say, um, uh, you had just uh, interjected before that, so that is true, like all of the things that they're saying. So it wasn't just that one, like the patriarch or anything. All of the people, if you look around in the branches, the, the places that you're at, who is your leader? Who is your president of that district? Who is your bishop? All of the people that you're looking at are always the highest paid men, not from the church because the church isn't paying the bishop, but the bishop is the most wealthy man in that district. That's what they do. So, and then your first and second counselors are, are close runner-ups to the money that that man makes. Um, so we had, when we lived in, um, where do we live, New Hampshire, um, our bishop was, our state president was a professor at a college, um, and he was obviously, he was back and forth between being a bishop of that area, and then he went to be a state president because he made more money. When the bishop moved in, the, the you know, then current bishop, was actually a lawyer who owned his own firm. Highest paid um, person in the district, and that's what they do. It's not, it's not a matter of who is spiritually supposed to be there. It's not like voted upon or anything. Everybody always is like, okay, sure, that's who it's going to be. He has more money than everybody. And that's well, what it is. Well, everybody, yep. everybody just sustains whoever they're told to sustain without any revelation at all. Yeah. And they're chosen based yep. upon, not upon who calls them by revelation, but their qualifications as far as how much money and how much power they have. But don't take our word for it. Look, who is it? Who is the one in your area? Who is your bishop? You know, yeah. just look at it. it it's accurate. Um, and it's the same thing. It's about to talk more about that also, like um, the way that, the prophet is selected. It's not like a selection. It's whoever has been in office longer. It's just a gradual. Later on, it'll talk about how God chose uh, a boy by the name of David, David, Ben, Jesse, to be the the leader of the the nation. You know, council that did that. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. By the way, I am going yeah. to Huntington, and I'm going through Wellington now. 
So I've yeah. got about 40 minutes left before I have to, uh, before I'll lose service completely. So I'll mute myself. Okay. The Lord clearly outlines some excellent reasons why we should get revelation directly from him, many of which are listed in the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is my favorite place to read. Everybody should go read that. Number one, that the weak things of the world shall come forth and break down the mighty and strong ones. Number two, that man should not counsel his fellow man. Number three, that man should not trust in the arm of flesh. Number four, that every man might speak in the name of God. Number five, that the faith, that faith also might increase. Number six, that God's everlasting covenant might be established. Number seven, that the fullness of my gospel might be proclaimed by the weak and the simple. Number eight, that these commandments could be given unto his servants in their weakness, after the manner of their language, that they might come to an understanding. Number nine, inasmuch as they erred, it might be made known. Number 10, inasmuch as they sought wisdom, they might be instructed. Number 11, inasmuch as they sinned, they might be chastened, that they might repent. Number 12, inasmuch as they were humble, they might be made strong and blessed from on high. Number 13, that they might receive knowledge from time to time. Number 14, I, the Lord, am willing to make these things known unto all flesh. Number 15, that the prophecies and promises shall all be fulfilled. Number 16, that the Lord shall have power over his saints. See Doctrine and Covenants, Volume 1, or I'm sorry, Chapter 1, Verse 18 through 37. Um, are you still there? Yeah, go ahead. Um so can you talk for just a minute? I just forgot something, and I need to get off the phone for one second. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I am almost to wash plant, and I think it does break up on the wash plant a little bit. But yeah, okay, so, just give me 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Ogden Kraut, basically, all he did was compile a bunch of stuff, you know, and, and he, as a, a learned, uh, a scholar by study, realized that there was a lot of, um, you know, contradictions and stuff between the early leaders of the church and the modern day leaders of his time, and we're talking about 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, he actually died I think he died in 2012, but I can't remember. But, you know, all he did was compile scriptures. And actually, I know he didn't die in 2002. I think it was 2012 because I believe he was still alive when I first found out about him in 2002. So, hold on, I'm uh, going up wash plant here. I think I'll be fine. I hope that you guys can hear me. But, um, so I read Ogden Kraut for years and years and years because it was more in-depth stuff than what I was able to get at Deseret Book or anywhere else. Now, uh, when I was... ...defend between two to four hundred dollars a month 
at Deseret Book and Seagull Book and Tape. Audio books. Everything that I could get my hands on to just listen to when I was driving or study when I was sitting. And, uh, you know, as a truck driver, you do a lot of sitting and a lot of driving. So, because, uh, you know, you got to wait for loads and the truck breaks in. you got to wait to get the truck fixed. And then you've got the time when you're supposed to be resting and you're not allowed to drive. So I would study as much as I could um, but I really enjoyed listening to, uh, or not listening, but reading Ogden Crowd's books because he would bring things up that the LDS Church um, maybe not be teaching, uh, you know, as fully as they could, or even at all, you know. So uh, for many years I would read these books, and then when I was in college, um, I was also a truck driver while I was in college. And, um, Kim, if you can just mute yourself, because it's ridiculous. I don't know. Oh, sorry, you're... I didn't know. Okay. Yep. Okay. Anyway, um, also, in the future, if you could find something else to read the text on besides your phone, that would help you with your glitches. You know what I mean? Oh, anyway. yeah, so that it wouldn't glitch out. Yeah, we were thinking about that. That's why we have those volumes. And I actually read better when it's on paper. Yeah. The, the only problem with the volume is the font is so small because there's literally thousands of pages. And, I know. Uh, they tried to fit everything. And then they they would make two columns. So it's just like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, um all right, so go ahead and read. I'm going to take a call in the call screening room. Uh, somebody coming up with an 843 area code number and see what okay. kind of question they want, and then I'll be back on as soon as I'm done talking to that individual. So. Okay, absolutely. I'll continue with reading. Okay. The gifts of God cannot be conveyed or given by one man to another, nor can they be received simply by asking. Ordinations do not give them, and they cannot be obtained in a school or by holding some church office. They are God's gifts to men, and he gives them when, where, and to whom he so chooses. Regarding the church presiding, or president receiving revelation for the governing of the church, when church authorities govern you, it is only pertaining to the work in the church and not to you individually. In fact, an individual should know by personal revelation if his leaders are doing their job. Revelation is a serious obligation for all saints. Wow, that's strong. It's a serious obligation, meaning that we should all be doing that. Uh, George Teasdale expressed it well, saying in collection uh, discourse, doi, it says S-T-U-Y, but I don't know if it's supposed to say study. Volume 3, March 19th, 1893, quote, Now, if we desire to be saved, we must appeal to our Father. This is individual salvation, and every individual has the right to appeal to heaven, has the right to the revelations of the Father that he may not be led astray, nor be the victim of priestcraft. 
but that he may obtain that light and intelligence which is promised unto all. That's collective discourse. I think study, but it says stoy. Volume 3, March 19, 1893. One of the factors for failure of the early Christian church was the people's dependence on their own wisdom and mutual agreement rather than God's revelation. This began to manifest itself in the latter days also, according to Elder Howard W. Hunter in the Salt Lake Tribune, October 2, 1994, quote, any major questions, policies, programs, or doctrines are prayerfully considered in council by the counselors in the first presidency. And the quorum of the Twelve Apostles, Hunter said, no decision emanates from the first presidency in the quorum of the Twelve without totally, total unanimity, unanimity among all concerned, end quote. Salt Lake Tribune, October 2nd, 1994. It has even been disclosed recently that the president of the church is not chosen by revelation. Joseph Fielding Smith admitted... In Doctrine of Salvation, Volume 3, page 156, if you want to go look it up yourself, it's in Doctrine of Salvation, Volume 3, page 156, quote, There is no mystery about the choosing of the successor to the president of the church. The Lord settled this a long time ago, and the senior apostle automatically becomes the presiding officer of the church, and he is so sustained by the Council of the Twelve which becomes the presiding body of the church when there is no first presidency. End quote. Doctrine of Salvation, Volume 3, page 156. Which is not how it was done, you know, in ancient times. Uh, in scriptures, a lot of people want to say, oh, it was the son of the prophet. Well, this isn't a monarchy. This is not kings. That's not how it's done. God chooses his prophet. He always has. The same author did write, however, that there could be a time when revelation would be received. In church history and modified revelation, in modern revelation, sorry, Joseph Fielding Smith or J. Fielding Smith, volume 1, page 172 through 73, quote, the fact is that the senior apostle automatically becomes the presiding officer of the church on the death of the president. If some other man were to be chosen, then the senior would have to receive the revelation setting himself aside. So, according to Joseph Fielding Smith, the only time the Lord reveals his choice as to the church president is when he tells the senior apostle he is not chosen. So, ironically, only those who are not called receive a revelation. But this doesn't make much sense. If the, that senior member was unworthy of being selected as a president, then how could he be worthy of receiving a revelation or... If he was unworthy, would he be honest enough to tell the others that he was unworthy? Besides that, an unworthy person is usually the person who thinks he is worthy. First counselor, N. Eldon Tanner, explained how Spencer W. Kibble was called to be the president. Dressed in the robes of the holy priesthood, we held a prayer circle. President Kimball asked me to conduct it, and Elder Thomas S. Monson to offer the prayer. Following this, President Kimball explained the purpose of the meeting and called on each member of the quorum in order of seniority, starting with Elder Ezra Taft Benson, to express his feelings as to whether the first presidency should be organized that day or whether we should carry on as a council of the Twelve. Each said, 
we should organize now. And many complimentary things were spoken about President Kimball and his work with the 12th. Then Elder Ezra Taft Benson nominated Spencer W. Kimball to be the president of the church. This was seconded by Elder Mark E. Peterson and unanimously approved. That comes from Conference Report, October 1979, page 63. Number, or page 115. Article 5 of our Articles of Faith clearly states that we believe that a man must be called of God by prophecy and revelation, not by nomination or approval, vote or seniority. The majority of active members believe the LDS Church is being run by a constant revelation. However, if such an important process as choosing the president of the church is done by nomination, seniority, and voting, then we should wonder how other church, uh, sorry, how other church affairs are being conducted and administered. Most members today believe that church leadership cannot err, but Brigham Young disputed in Journal of Discourse, Volume 6, page 100, quote, the first presidency has the right of, uh, right of a great influence over this people, and if we should get out of the way and lead this people to destruction, what a pity it would be, end quote. Journal of Discourse, Volume 6, page 100. I am more afraid that this people have so much confidence in their leaders that they will not inquire for themselves of God, whether they are led by him. I'm fearful that they settle down in a state of blind self-security, trusting their eternal destinies in the hands of their leaders with a reckless confidence that in itself would thwart the purposes of God and their salvation and weaken that influence that they could give to their leaders. Did they know for themselves by the revelation of Jesus that they are led in the right way? Let every man and woman know by the whisperings of the Spirit of God to themselves whether their leaders are walking in the path the Lord dictates or not. Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 150. According to the established order of the senior apostle becoming church president of the Lord, should want someone else, he would have to take the lives of all the other apostles to reach the one he wants. In reality, the Lord should dictate his preference by revelation. He may not even want one of the apostles as president, not because they are incapable, but perhaps he is satisfied with their work as missionaries. God chose the shepherd boy, David, to save Israel, and he might want to make a similar choice today rather than a senior apostle. And we're now on page 116. Did you want to say anything? No, um, as soon as we're done with the reading for tonight, I'm going to bring Zachary from South Carolina on, who's a fundamental Baptist who uh, wants to uh, just uh, talk about uh, some things with us about uh, faith, grace, works, those type of things, um, theology, fundamental theology, and all of that stuff. So um, I am awesome. going up Hiawatha right now, or not Hiawatha, I'm going past the Hiawatha turnoff. So it'll okay. break up for a little bit. So just go ahead and, and finish, you know, reading. So you're reading to what page 125, is it? I can't remember. Ooh, I don't know either. And if I go, then I'll lose my spot. So. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's fine. I'll just okay. uh, I'll put myself back in uh, in the box, and uh, I'll we'll just uh, let you uh, read until you're done with the reading for tonight. Okay, sounds good. Since the proper order for selection should be by a revelation from God who should receive this divine communication, it should come through the father of the church, the patriarch, 
um, who they got rid of, not by the form of the apostles making a unanimous vote of their own selection and approval. The duties of the apostles as traveling counselors in all the world are, number one, to officiate in the name of the Lord, and number two, to build up the church, and three, to regulate all the affairs of the same in all nations. That comes from DNC 107, 23, and 33. Not in the stakes of Zion. Joseph made it very clear when he said in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 74, the 12 will have no right to go into Zion or any of the stakes and there, under, and there undertake to regulate the affairs thereof. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 74, end quote. Um, so I, I know that I said it really quickly, but that's another one of the reasons they got rid of the patriarch. The patriarch was the one who was supposed to be getting the revelation and helping to determine who the next prophet was of God, who God wanted on the throne, you know, like, so to speak, how they talk about um, the authority. But now that they have gotten rid of him, then they've gotten rid of somebody who has authority to do that who has authority over them. And it um, now I just wanted to say also, this was a completely different thought, but um, when I was a little girl and I would listen to state conference um, and we would be listening to, uh, you know, con the conference in April uh, for general conference, it was so awesome to me that I thought I would stare at this. Well, I think at the time it was Spencer W. Kimball. Uh, I would stare at him on that screen and see because it was all televised at that time which was super cool for everybody right so i would stare at him on that screen and think wow this person has seen god and he knows because he has seen god face to face and he goes in to this room and talks to him and i used to think that is so amazing and we we need to do that i need to do that and i used to have such faith in these leaders because I assumed, like the rest of the church, that these men actually saw God and talked with God. So um, when ever since I was a little girl, along with the songs that you learn in primary of follow the prophet, follow the prophet, um, you would see these or hear these songs and you would be feeling like even though it wasn't um, said out of his mouth, but it was just like this white lie that was always assumed that this man had seen God on a regular basis. And it was what, you know, all parents taught their children. It was what the primary leaders were teaching their children. So you grow up in this cult of people um, who had uh, these assumptions that were just generally bred into the minds of all of these people. And so that's how we have come to the knowledge that we have today, where we just assume that these men are so great and amazing, and they, they see God, and they talk to God, just like with the apostles. In order to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, then you have to have seen Jesus Christ. You have to have a personal witness testimony of this person, right? Um, you're a special witness is what it is, right? Uh, so we all assume, yeah, they have a special witness. Do they ever talk an about whether or not they've seen him? Yeah, an eyewitness. A they call it special witness, but yeah, an eyewitness. And you're supposed to have seen them, you know, or him, Christ, Jesus, you know. And so you grow up having this assumption because that's the rule. At least that's how I am. So I am very, like, rule 
uh, abiding. I am like, this is the rule, so we follow the rule, and it makes our lives happier and easier. Like when I was praying about, you know, Mark and, and meeting him, I was praying, um, you know, I'm doing all these rules. I read in your scriptures, this is what it says. It says, if you do this, then I'll give you this. You know, this is the plan of happiness, and you're going to be happy because you're following all the rules. And I was like, hey, that's great. That's brilliant. And that's what I did. So it's the same thing. We are raised with this assumption of these are the rules, and we should follow all of the rules. Therefore, the leaders are following all the rules. And then we have this assumption that they are greater than us and better than us because they are higher in authority than us, and God sees and talks with them about us. So that's like this this huge lie that just is perpetuated over and over, generation through generation. Um, and that's what they're talking about now. Like all of these assumptions, all of these, um, just all of this uh, stuff that is taught uh, since we are little and just embedded into our brains. And it's a poison. It's, it's one of the hardest things um, when you come out of the church or when you learn of uh, the flaws, the, you learn of the lies, you learn of the little things, and it just gets in there and under your skin. So instead of being truthful from the beginning and just saying, okay, this is what happened and this is what, you know, and just being honest about it, they try to cover it up and delete things and get rid of things like the patriarchs and, and like um, using the people with higher money, more money, more authority, because that's what it is. It was just slowly interweaved into how, um, you know, the Gentiles do it. And now we're just a Gentile or we, they, I don't know. It's just a Gentile church. And the um, early church, the yeah. early church didn't operate the same way, but over time, as the uh, as the pagan Romans hijacked early Christianity, they turned it into the same thing that's happening today. So, you follow the history and timeline of the Catholic Church, uh, you'll see the same kind of things happening and the same kind of apostasy in the early church as what is going on in the LDS church today. Yeah. It's so true. Um, also, I just really wanted to quickly, um, since you're on here and you are listening, um, I am going to meet you with something that we forgot to give you uh, when you turn the corner in Huntington, Okay. Okay, I'm going to pull into BK's then, and I'll park in the parking lot since if I go off the Huntington Road, um, I'm going to lose service. So, And I did want to bring Zachary on at the end of the reading. So, um, Absolutely, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, finish your reading. I will be there in the parking okay. lot at BK's waiting for you in Huntington. Okay, I'm not usually one to... Uh, talk this much but then I just feel like this really speaks to my heart right now and I think I, I feel like I'm learning a lot though I know a lot about this topic um, I feel like I'm learning a lot and like God is speaking to me because it's really hard um, the things that I've gone through this year and I feel like I kind of have been dropping the ball a little bit with getting my own personal revelation and feeling a little bit um, scared or afraid because uh God did not save my baby, and I feel like um, it really just hurt me, 
and I have been having a hard time with it. But a lot of the things here, I can't even explain it fully, but it's speaking a lot to my heart. And so hopefully it's speaking to other people too, and it's something that you needed to hear. Um, because we all, you know, me, I so much need this. I need to be able to get back with a closer spirit to God and, you know, receiving revelation and, and, you know, not for everybody, but for myself, for my family, you know, and trying to be more of a leader of my family and helping them because, um, all the people around me ever since I was younger, they've always had more faith in my prayers, even than in their own. And I lately, since um, the last six months, I have not have been having faith in the things that I pray. It's been really hard for me, and so it's been hard for me to connect with God. And I know that all my life he always has answered my prayers, and I've had such confidence in that and knowing that he was there. And I feel like it maybe was a test to me, and I just need to get back to where I was. So this is a really great start to it, and I'm very thankful for this tonight and what we're reading. Anyways, I will continue on um, with the reading. Uh, my phone had messed up, so I had to go back in and find it again. So hopefully this is back to where it needs to be. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, since the proper order of four selection should be by a revelation from God, who should relieve this divine communication? We've read that. It should come through the father of the church, the patriarch, not by the form of the apostles, making a unanimous vote, unanimous vote of their own selection and approval. The duties of the apostles as traveling counselors in all the world are, number one, to officiate in the name of the Lord, number two, to build up the church, and number three, to regulate all the affairs of the same in all nations. That's from DNC 107, verses 23 and 33. <clears throat> Not in the stakes of Zion, Joseph made it very clear when he said, in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 74, quote, the twelve will have no right to go into Zion or any of the stakes and their undertake to regulate the affairs thereof, end quote. Again, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 74. Although it is often admitted that the apostles have had nothing to do with governing the affairs of the stakes of Zion, this has not always been the case. For example, Elder at Mark E. Peterson spent much of his time going through the stakes, directing the excommunications of numerous members. Since the apostles are acting in the affairs of the stakes and determining the selection of the presidency of the church, this means they are not following the Lord's counsel. So why should he give them any further revelation when they haven't complied with what was already been given? That is a great question. Why should he give more revelation if we can't even comprehend what it is that we've already been given? If the apostles are making the selection of church president. It is similar to a woman getting a revelation to govern her husband. Such a revelation makes it questionable and suspect, regardless of how clear, beautiful, and reasonable it may be. Furthermore, when the apostles re released the church patriarch from his duties, it was like several wives putting away their husbands as head of the house. <laughs> kind of queer, that's how it sounds. Anyway, revelation from God to the church does not continue when proper order is not followed. When President Joseph F. Smith gave his deposition before the Senate hearings in 1904, he admitted that revelation had ceased among church leadership. <clears throat> Senator Hoare, I would like to ask one question, which is flatly curious, for this is a most interesting matter. Did I understand you correctly that there has been no revelation since this revelation of Woodruff for the general government of the church? Mr. Worthington, he said, there have been none for 21 years except that. 
that is the only one in 21 years. Senator Hoare, then there has been none since, so that you have received no revelation yourself? Mr. Smith, no, sir. Senator Du Bois, have you received any revelation from God which has been submitted by you and the apostles to the body of the church in their semi-annual conference? Which revelation has been sustained by the conference through the upholding of their hands? <clears throat> Mr. Smith, since when? Senator Du Bois, since you became president of the church. Mr. Smith, no, sir, none whatever, whatsoever. <clears throat> I'm sorry, it says no, sir, none whatever. Senator Du Bois, have you received any individual revelations yourself since you became president of the church under your own definition, even of a revelation? Mr. Smith, I cannot say that I have. Senator Du Bois, can you say that you have not? Mr. Smith, no, I cannot say that I have not. Senator Du Bois, then you do not know whether you have received any such revelation as you have described or whether you have not. Mr. Smith, well, I can say this, that if I live as I should in the line of my duties, I am susceptible, I think, of the impressions of the Spirit of the Lord upon my mind at any time, just as any good Methodist or any other good church member might be. And so far as that is concerned, I say yes. I have had impressions of the Spirit upon my mind very frequently, but they are not in the sense revelation. That is end quote from Smoot Hearings, Volume 1, page 314, <clears throat> also page 483 and 84. This is an amazing confession. Oh, wow, that is an amazing confession. For over a hundred years, the saints have gone to and have never heard a prophecy or a thus saith the Lord revelation, with all the earth-shaking events, troubles, and perils that have transpired, where was a prophecy or revelation warning the saints about them? With all the changes that have been made in church doctrine and ordinances, where are the revelations upon which they were based? Doesn't it seem strange that for over a century, 15 men have been continuously sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators? But yet, they have never published a prophecy or revelation. If men do not have the gift of prophecy and revelation, how important is it to follow them? If they have only impressions of the Spirit, just as any good Methodist, doesn't, does that then there, I'm sorry, does, then there is no more reason to follow them than to follow any good Methodist. Joseph Fielding Smith rationalized that impressions on the soul are greater than visions or seeing the Savior. The question frequently arises, is, is it necessary for a member of the Council of the Twelve to see the Savior in order to be an apostle? It is their privilege to see him if occasion requires. But the Lord has taught that there is a stronger witness than seeing a person or a personage even of seeing the Son of God in a vision. Impressions on the soul that come from the Holy Ghost are far more significant than a vision. That comes from Empirical Era, November 1996, page 979. But compare this with Oliver Cowdery. Oh, Improvement Era. Yeah, find a page number. What page are we on? It is page 117, I believe, but it's not, um, I think that's the last one I went on. 
So you're on oh, page 117. 119, yeah. In the middle of that personage thing, it, it was right in the middle of that word. I was like, personage. <laughs> so we only have 20 minutes left on the live streaming portion of the radio program. That's why I'm asking, and I'd like to... I'd like to yeah. have time to talk to Zachary. So, um, Absolutely. And there still we'll is a quite a bit left two. in here. Yeah, let's do a part yeah, two because we, do a part we're, two we have. Tomorrow. Yeah. We're already 30 minutes over, too. So if you want to um, take off right there from where we left off, I did a lot more talking tonight than I normally do again, but I don't know. I and you know, I would have so done more talking it. if I had. Yeah, there's so much. In this, it needs to be gone over. So, all right, before we bring yeah. Zachary up, so Zachary's from South Carolina. He's a fundamental Baptist. He used to be a Catholic. He saw the apostasy within the uh, Catholic Church, probably with uh, Vatican II, but I think even before that, well, I know even before that, there was a departing of the scriptures. I mean, Martin Luther saw that kind of stuff in his day, and that was 500 years ago. So, um, but before I bring Zachary up, I, I did want to say a couple things. Okay, so um, according to Mormon theology, uh, the first works of the gospel is to hear and believe the scriptures and uh, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to confess him, and then to be baptized by full immersion by one having authority, the same as Aaron had authority for Moses. We believe in the priesthood, uh, which um, there are different divisions within the priesthood. You've got the um, Levitical priesthood, you have the Aaronic priesthood, then you have the Melchizedek priesthood, and then you have something called the fullness of the priesthood, which only God can give to a person by the laying on of hands. Um, now, we don't believe in the Trinity the way uh, most people do. Uh, we believe God the Father is a separate individual who is resurrected, and that even though he, uh, God is a spirit or has a spirit, uh, the correct understanding of that is that, that God is an individual who has a body, just like Jesus Christ does, handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have, but he also has a spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ is his literal son, and that when he was resurrected, he was resurrected in bodily form. Like I said, uh, handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and blood as ye see me have, and that uh, we are saved by grace after we are obedient to keeping God's commandments. And that, um, that Jesus Christ, he saved us from our sins so that as we make mistakes, we can be forgiven for, for the mistakes that we make, but he didn't do that so that we could just willingly rebel against what he's asked us to do and uh, we believe that people who are not, uh, who take the salvation of Jesus Christ, um, that they should be seeing him as an example and keeping his commandments. Like he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that as we strive to keep his commandments, 
that uh, we will come closer to him and be more like he wants us to be, but also that as we make mistakes, we can turn to the cross and to the, the atonement in the Garden of Gethsemane for a remission of our sins that we can have his spirit to be with us and become more like he is. So Jesus Christ um, paid for our sins, uh, but we also believe in works. In the the first uh, the first works are belief, confession, baptism by someone having authority by full immersion, and then obedience and a continual process of repentance, uh, trying to overcome our faults and our weaknesses, and leaning upon Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins through the atonement, which is an ongoing process in each of our lives. So, all right, without any uh, further ado, we'll bring up Zachary from South Carolina and then uh, uh, try to answer any questions that, that we have. All But before I do that, we have 15 minutes left on the live streaming portion of the radio program. So, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be 15 minutes as all we've got left. So, all right, here we go. I'm going to mute you. Zachary, if I can get this thing to work. Okay, Zachary, you're live on the air. Uh, what are your questions, comments, concerns? Uh, what, what do you have for me? Hello, Kim, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're there. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now, Zach. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so first of all, I'd like to say your wife did an amazing reading. Um, and I don't mean this, to, you know, these questions, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all. Uh, anyone listening, no matter your, you know, your, you know, what umbrella you fall under with Christianity, uh, don't take this as a slight. Because... Um, you you do teach very good things. I think we agree on most things when it probably comes to family, to to culture, to entertainment. I think we have a lot of things in common. But I do think we disagree with salvation. I do think we disagree with, you know, uh, work-based salvation. Um, I think the Book of Mormon, uh, personally, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is blasphemy, and that's just what I personally believe. I used to believe the same thing. Like I told you in the screening room, I used to be Baptist, so I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and I mean no, I mean no disrespect at all. But I mean, I would like to read one verse, and you know, we could speak from there. The main thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, the LDS's statement on salvation. Uh, you know, the, the the King James Version Bible says that anybody who believes in Jesus Christ will have salvation. And that's in Euphrasians. Um, you know, the Book of Mormon says that only people who follow the teachings of the LDS Church, who give tithing, and who do works for the LDS Church that's will get not salvation. That's what the Book of Mormon says. And that, I'm yeah, sorry, that's, you're that's, that's, it doesn't say that at all. No, it doesn't. Have you read the Book of Mormon? Not yeah, that's, that's, have you read the Book of Mormon? 
Yeah, that's 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 definitely DMC seventy six through fifty eight through fifty nine. Doctrine and I can read it. I can I can read it to you right now. I'm sorry. It's not doctrine and, the doctrine and covenants of the Book of Mormon are two different books. Anyway, go ahead and read doctrine and covenants. Yeah, no. So so from what I've read, from what I've read. So you might educate me, but from from what I've read, the Book of Mormon says that you know. You know, Jesus, Jesus' atonement was only for people who follow obedience to the LDS teachings, faith, baptiz- baptisms, endowments, celestial marriage, and tithing. Wherefore, as it is written, they are gods, even as the Son of Gods. So that's not what Jesus' message was. And if that's not the correct translation, I'm sorry. But that's totally different from just faith-based salvation. What it seems to okay. me – no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, Noah was saved by obedience and faith, not by just grace alone. He was saved by obedience to, to doing what Jesus commanded. And Jesus even I, I just, says, I, if you love no, me, I just, keep my commandments. I just, so, yeah, okay, so, so, so um, I, just, I, just, I disagree. I disagree. You're taking a statement from the Doctrine and Covenants, which is not the Book of Mormon. So what I asked you is, have you actually read the Book of Mormon cover to cover? No, no, I I told you. No, I told you. I told you I wasn't familiar. Uh, But what I'm – I'm just seeing, like, highlights. I've never read the Book of Mormon, and I told you that. But – don't say don't don't like don't say what I'm saying because I'm trying to be very respectful. But what I see is that you know you're you're following works and Jesus evidently says in Matthews and Euphrasians that you know let no man boast of his works. The only way to to, to salvation is through me alone. That's the whole purpose of Jesus. That's the reason he died on the what cross. It says in the Book of Mormon too. Okay, so why do so why do you have to believe on the LDS to be okay? Saved? So you know that the Catholic Church is apostate from the teachings of Jesus Christ, and that there was an apostasy. And if you are a Baptist, you understand. Absolutely, and I think I think I think the I think I think I think that I I personally believe. The Mormon Church is the same thing with the Catholics. They want they want to they want to worship hierarchy. They want to worship well, tradition. Yeah. So this, uh, is and, fundamentally, and, this program is fundamentally Mormon. So we're trying to get back to the teachings of the actual. I would ask you. I would ask. Can can I ask? Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Can someone go to heaven if they believe on Jesus Christ and they believe on His sacrifice? And they believe on his blood. Can they go to heaven without following the Book of Mormon? Um, they can be baptized, but they have to have baptism by one having authority. And you so, don't so get that church, authority by study of Scripture. So, so, the church, so the church is over the blood of Jesus. No, that's not what we're saying at all. And and it's, what what I'm saying, program, what, I, what I'm what I'm what 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 I'm saying, what I'm saying to anybody listening, 
is that you don't have to belong to a certain church. You don't have to follow a certain doctrine. As long as you accept Jesus Christ and you accept his sacrifice, you will be seated with him and you will get into heaven. You don't have to follow anybody. No man okay, who wrote so a book. If you Do you mind if I interject Christ, for a second? Hold on, hold on, Tim, just a minute. If you follow Jesus Christ and you accept him and his atonement and confess him and believe in blasphemy and false doctrines and teach those blasphemies and false doctrines, are you saved? No, Jesus, Jesus Christ says, Jesus Christ says clearly, anybody who believes upon me will have everlasting life. That's all he says. So you can be, he doesn't, you can be Judas Iscariot and still be saved. He, so Judas is saved. He he doesn't say he doesn't say you have to be a Mormon. He doesn't say you have to be a Catholic. He doesn't say you have to, to be a Protestant. If you believe on me, and see that's our difference. That's our fundamental difference. You you place the Mormon Church above Jesus Christ. You believe you have you to be Mormon. You actually don't know that. What you're doing is what I did when I was a Baptist. I read anti-Mormon okay, so books, which made okay, certain so parts that made certain so, points. So, what is the most? What is the, what is the most important part? What is the most? Uh, since you put that all behind you, what is the most important part about getting to heaven? Being a Mormon or believing in Jesus Christ? What's the most important part? And of course, it's believing in Jesus Christ. But being a Mormon means that we believe in the restoration of all things, which is taught by the scriptures. Okay, so so why would you need? Why would you need? Why would you need? Why? You tell me this: If Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, He came to Earth as the, the Son of God, the flesh of man. He He sacrificed. He atoned for all sins. He yeah. died for all sins. Why do we need another prophet? Because there's an apostasy that has happened throughout time. The early Christian church was hijacked by Roman paganism, and the Catholic church in apostasy departed but from how the does truth that change? But, 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 but did they change? Like about. But did they change? And, did they change? But did they change God's message? I, I totally agree. The second, the, and you were spot on. The second Vatican Council, the Catholic Church, well, that spot yeah. on that you said that. But here's the thing. God gave his message. God gave his word. Jesus died for our atonement. We don't need any new prophets. Yes, we do. Because Jesus Christ uh, in the scriptures taught that you go to God to find out truth. If, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if you lack wisdom, hold on, let me finish my answering. Uh, Let me finish my answer. If you lack wisdom, ask God that will give us Give to all men freely and will not upbraid or punish. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that is tossed, uh, tossed to on the, or for he that um, wavereth is tossed to on the on the the waves of the sea, whatever. And then the testimony of Jesus Christ comes by the. Wait, 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 wait. What book does that come from? That's James chapter one verse five in your King James version of the Bible. Exactly. 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 In the and King in the James book of, you asked, you asked so, me. So, why you would you, why me. would you, why would you, why would you, why would you want to relate to King James Version and then try to make it fit your book? 
That doesn't make sense. Why don't you? Well, Scripture have, have, is not for private interpretation of man, but is given by the word of God to the prophets. Now, in order to get the correct interpretation of Scripture, you actually have to be a prophet to get revelation for yourself. If you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. If you're getting revelation from God, you are receiving revelation as a prophet. And the testimony of Jesus Christ comes by the spirit of prophecy. So with that being said, all of, this, uh, all of the fruits, it talks about there being uh, prophets and apostles to all come in the unity of the faith. And as you well know, we have not all come in the unity of the faith. That hasn't happened yet. So why would God do away with the office of a prophet or an apostle? And furthermore, in the book of Revelations, chapter 11, it talks about two prophets coming on the earth. So why would God do away with prophets before yes, the end yes, of time? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it does. Because there's still it does. prophets. It does. We should all it does. be prophets. No, no, no. Wait, wait. Revelation. You're wrong. You're, you're, you're reading this wrong. Revelations 11. That, it's interesting you bring that up. It brings up two prophets coming, coming, coming up. He's talking about Muhammad for Islam, and he's talking about Joseph Smith for Mormonism. <laughs> no, he's not. Well, would, you no, like to talk, would you like to talk? Would you like to talk about the... the Similarities between Islam so, let's, and let's women. See here. Okay, so the prophet, the two prophets, are supposed to prophesy to the world in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half years. They're put to death, and then God raises them up and calls them up into heaven. So you're saying that Joseph Smith and Muhammad are going to be put to death in the streets in the last days, and that God his is people, going to raise up his, two false his people, prophets. His people, his people, his people will That's be. That's not what yes, it says. Absolutely. It says that John saw. Can, can I ask? Wait, wait, wait. Can I, let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Okay, do you, wait, I'm wait. Do, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe Jesus Christ died for our sins? Yes. So why is there another? Why, then why do we need another prophet? Because people like you teach false revelations and false interpretation of scriptures. And in okay, so how about get if, Jesus died, of if Jesus died, you actually Jesus have died, to have prophets. So you have to, so you have to follow a man to get the word of God. You hear the prophet just like you did in old days, and then you turn to God on your own and find out what the true interpretation of scripture is. Okay, and so then why, why, do you, why do you mean for why, yourself? Why do you mean, then, then why do you need why do you need the Book of Mormon? Why why can't you just read read the Bible and turn turn to yourself? Why do you Which need the Book of Mormon? Which version of the Bible do you want to use? Have you actually done a study into what version or what the different versions of? I can go to the new or the new international version, and I can get that yeah, version. Those are Scofield Bibles. I don't believe in those. Okay, those are well, Scofield. Then which Bible do you believe in? Because we've got the King James Version of the Bible, which has been changed over the years. It used to have more books in it. So in the 1611 King James Version of the Bible, it had many more books in the Bible that we have today. Now, which one is correct? The one that we had back then well, or the one that we have say, today? Because all the way through 200 and something years, it had a lot more books in it. And then about in the 1800s, they decided to take a whole bunch of stuff out and say it was apocryphal. So which one's true? The old one or the, I would say, the new one? I would, say, I, would, I would say the one that's true is the one who is written by a handful of people over a hundred of years, and the, the storyline is, is conducive 
and you know, and and point driven, opposed the King to you know, James version one of the book, Bible took book. about seven years to finish, and it was released in complete fullness. And then, that's, but you're that's, talking that's about Jesus Christ. That's the trans. That's that's the translation. That's the translation from Greek to English. What I'm saying is the King James the version Bible from Greek to English was Tyndale back in the 1500s before the King James Version of the Bible was, was created. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That, that, that's fine. That's fine. But a handful... Can, can we calm down? Which translation? How do you know which... No, because you keep talking over me. And you ask no, me I wonder, I, wonder I try to, to give you answers. I try to give you answers, and you continue to talk over me and not let me finish. Which version of the Bible? I have a lapse. I have a First of all, I have a lapse on my phone. I was trying to say like like let's slow down so we don't talk over each other. Uh, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying what I'm saying is that we you know we the, the Bible uh, the King James Version Bible we can relate back to the Greek, um, and that's written by a handful of people over you know hundreds of years. I wouldn't say hundreds, but a hundred years. And they, they can all count these stories, and, and they all line up. You're wanting Do to talk have, about a book that one person wrote that has no... No, one person translated evidence. it. God, so the difference between the translation of the Bible that you have and the translation of the scriptures that I have is that a council of men who were not prophets decided that certain words meant certain things and that they put those scriptures in those words into those scriptures over time, but you have so many different versions of the Bible. What I have is a prophet that God called through the, uh, through the work of, the, uh, of an angel and through the visitation of himself. To that's what the Quran says. By the gift that's what the Quran the says. Gift that, I don't believe that, the Quran, that, but the gift and well, power I mean, that's the of same God. Story. That's the same, that's the same story. Muhammad received Muhammad, it's it's actually a very funny story. Muhammad, I've I've read the Quran, I've read the Hadith, I've read the Sunnah. It's actually very funny. Muhammad was walking through the desert and wanted to know what 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 religion to be, and he went into a cave. And Michael, the archangel, came from the Gabriel. heaven and yanked him up. It was Gabriel. Michael, Gabriel. Michael and Gabriel are the same angel in Islam. If you actually read the Hadith. But anyway, so they yanked him up and told him, hey, recite. Muhammad didn't even know how to write, and the angel said, recite. And he wrote his own thing and said, oh, all these things are wrong. That's what Joseph Smith did. But they, they, they're possessed by demons. They're writing demon books. Yeah, you and, know, and, and, I, I actually used to believe but, what you believe. I Let me ask you one question. Let me ask you one question. If somebody believes on Jesus Christ, but they're not a Mormon, will they go to heaven? If they're baptized by someone having authority in, uh, of Jesus Christ, which is the same authority so that Aaron man, had. So a man, a man, you have um, to, so in your, in, your, in your idea, a man determines the position of a soul o- over Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ I says, anybody the of who my possess- own soul by going to God and finding out what you the think truth you're a God. is, you think you're a God. You think you're a God. <laughs> you think you're a God, just like the Muslims. You think that once uh, you do something for God, you'll be a God. You're the same religion. 
Jesus Christ said anybody who believes in me. You need to put down the anti-Mormon books that teach a bunch of crap and spin things out of context. I'm going off what you're saying. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to say one thing. So I feel like what the um, the misunderstanding is here is that you believe that that what we think is that the Mormon church is the only way anybody's getting to God, which is incorrect. That's what because I Because we believe, listen, please, we believe that the authority comes from God, not to that church or to any church, really. It goes to, from God, who gives it to an individual who he has as a prophet, which is what we were talking about, and he uses them as his mouthpiece, but also to help them come closer to him. Now, a prophet doesn't do that by saying, you have to worship me. That is actually the opposite of what a prophet should be doing. A true prophet is somebody who helps the people to themselves become prophets and that meaning is specifically that the person themselves, just the like you, is. can go and find out the truth for yourself. Like, you and everybody in the whole world can argue until you're blue in the face of whatever it is that you believe is true or not. The fact of the matter is, you yourself and every person listening to what you're saying or me or, you know, anybody is saying, you have to go to God. Be a prophet for yourself. So, so you think, personal you think, 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 you think being a prophet can be, you know, reached from education? You don't think, you know, prophetic speech is God given? Let's try this one more time. This is what I'm saying, okay? No, nothing that no, I no, see, this is my problem. This is my problem. This is my problem. This is, this is my problem so, in the morning. Well, let me answer this that is my one problem question first, okay? Okay, let me, let me answer the one question you asked first just so that we can clarify. There was nothing in my answer that said you needed to go study and uh, go to school and find out. You have to yourself ask God. That's how simple it is. Because by God, you and everybody else in the world can know the truth of all things. If you think or anybody on this earth thinks they're going to find some man that they can just follow around and do what he says to do and you're going to get to God, then everybody's going to hell because nobody's getting where they're supposed to be. You yourself have your own path and own personal relationship with God, with whatever God you choose to serve. That is who you have a personal relationship with. And when a prophet comes, they're only trying to help you to come closer to God so that you yourself can talk to him, get revelation, so you can do whatever it is for ordained from God for you to do. That's specifically what it is. It doesn't have anything to do with a church. It doesn't have to do with a, a university or a higher authority or somebody else. It is just you yourself having to find that way to get revelation for yourself and get, you know, a personal relationship with God. That's what it is all, all together. Now, what was so your second I question? Muted him. I, I muted him. Cause, uh, so Zachary has read a whole bunch of stuff. And I did the same thing when I was an anti-Mormon Baptist. And he believes those things because somebody said that that's what the Mormon people believe. And whatever. I'm just not playing the game anymore. But, um, so but I in wanted order to, to answer more prophet, questions. It's hold on. I will, I will bring him up in a minute. I know. That's why I muted him. Now, which way 
should we be baptized? I mean, you've got sprinkling and pouring, and, and some people say you don't need to be baptized. Some people say you have to be baptized by immersion for the remission of sins. You've got all these different ways and all these different teachings. But in the, in, in the book of Acts, it says, uh, repent and believe on Jesus Christ and be baptized. By, uh, be baptized. You've got to be baptized in order to come into the kingdom of heaven. Now, in order to know what that even means, you can go through entomology and all these things, and we're really lucky because we have the Internet and we have all these things that we can study. People didn't used to have that, but they did have the Holy Spirit, and they did have revelation that they could go to God themselves and find out what the correct interpretation of Scripture is. And that is why we have prophets, and that's why everybody should be a prophet in our day and in all time because you've got these people that run around trying to teach all this stuff, and they don't get revelation for themselves. They'll go to a school and have somebody teaching their theology. But, uh, you know, if, if they disagree with somebody else, then everybody's like, oh, you're wrong and we're right, and this is the way it's supposed to be. But none of them are prophets at all. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, that there is an office of prophets and apostles until all come in the unity of the faith. And the Baptists want to say that there's no more reason to have apostles or prophets, even though in the book of Revelations it says that there will be two prophets who will prophesy for three and a half years, not 3,000 years, not 200 years, and none of, it says three and a half years, and that they themselves would be put to death in the streets. And after three and a half days, they themselves will be raised up by God. God doesn't do that to false prophets. And that they will be caught up to his throne in the heaven. That is what it says. I don't know anything about this theology that Zachary is trying to teach, that the two prophets are false prophets. Because God doesn't raise false prophets from the dead. And God said through the book of Ephesians in the writings of Paul that there would be prophets and apostles until all come in the unity of the faith. And if you don't have people receiving revelation, which is a gift of the Spirit, and coming to Jesus Christ by the gift of prophecy, then you don't have true followers. They can believe all they want, but they believe false doctrines, and they're not going... They're teaching false doctrine because they get the wrong interpretation of Scripture and they teach the wrong interpretation of Scripture because Scripture is not for private interpretation. It belongs to God, and in order to know what the true interpretation of Scripture is, you have to get revelation for yourself. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He will give it to you. If he's speaking to you and you're receiving revelation to be corrected, in your understanding of the interpretation of Scripture, you yourselves are a prophet, and that is what everybody is required to do. Anyway, Kim, I'm going to unmute him, and he can ask his, um, his second question, but we're actually over in overdrive right now, so uh, this can't go on forever. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to try to bring him back on. Okay, Zachary, so go ahead. First, first, I'd like to say I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get so heated. Um, I it's not that I don't, you know, respect what you believe. I just, you know, I, I'm at fundamental odds, and I'm very sorry for coming off aggressive. Um, your wife, uh, you know, 
gave gave a very very good question. I would like to say to that, uh, you know, you said in your statement to me that you know no church, no et cetera mattered. So I think that totally demolishes the LDS statement. If, if church doesn't matter, then you don't have to be a Mormon to be saved. And, and to the second point, when you when you want to when you I mean not to be disrespectful, but to say that I said that you know, you know, all these are false prophets. Prophets don't say they are, you know, the son of God. There's only two prophets who started a whole new religion and made whole new books and totally changed doctrine. That was Muhammad and Joseph Smith. Then they're not prophets. They're they're saying they are of God. That's why the Mormon Church believes they they can become like God themselves. So don't don't confuse what I'm saying. Of course we have prophets. Of course we have people who can talk to God and get prophecy, but they don't change doctrine. Muhammad and Joseph Smith changed doctrine, and that's all I'm saying. And I, I respect your your viewpoint. So I think that the more. Go ahead. When the scriptures talk about the restitution of all things, and in the book of Revelations it says that God would send an angel in the last days, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth, saying, Repent, repent, ye, this day of the Lord is at hand. So that happens in the last days. God is sending yeah, an angel he, 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 with the everlasting Jesus, gospel Jesus, to restore Jesus the also, truth that has Jesus, been corrupted no, no, by wait, mankind. Wait, 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 wait. So you're. So you're, you're you're eating the food without the spoon, so you're talking about revelations. When we can go back to Matthew, and when, when Jesus says in Matthew that any person who comes before you as a prophet who changes the doctrine of salvation, let him be blasted as a false prophet. That's what Joseph Smith did. You believe that the, the LDS church is more important than believing on Jesus Christ. He's a false prophet. He's a false prophet. I actually a, don't. And you're you're taking a theology that you read out of a book and trying to apply it. No, to I'm this, I'm reading I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading that. Listen, okay, I don't want to. In I don't the wanna, scriptures, it says that if if someone, even though an angel comes to you with a with a different doctrine than this, you you reject there, that. The, okay, right. Uh, yeah, the Bible says if any angel what comes you to you with a doctrine, a false doctrine, and you believe that, and an angel is coming to okay, what, what, straight, what if, what if you, so so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like so, here's the point I'm making. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what book I read. It doesn't matter what doctrine I, I subscribe to. I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you're Baptist. You know, if you're Mormon, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If you believe in the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to us, you'll be saved and have everlasting life. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to follow teachers. You don't have to follow rabbis. If God, you don't sent, have to follow a prophet, if God sent Jeremiah to the people to have them to repent, and the people did not hear Jeremiah the prophet, what happens to the people? It depends. Did they, did they believe in Jesus Christ? Then they're fine. They didn't. Jeremiah in the Bible, Yahu, in the Babylonian, before the Babylonian captivity, God tried to reach those people by sending many prophets among the land, the chief of whom was Jeremiah. And they wouldn't hear. You're talking, you're talking, about, Sodom, 
You're talking about you're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. So so Sodom and Gomorrah you... was Abraham. Abraham no, and no, Lot. No, no. Abraham yeah, and Lot. Lot. Jeremiah you're, you're about, was talking, 600 years talking, before talking, Christ, before the Babylonian captivity. You're, you're saying you're that uh, you don't have principle. to hear a prophet. You don't have to hear a prophet because all you have to do is believe that God sent Jesus Christ to pay for your sins. And what yes, I'm telling yes. you is those people, yes. they were rejected, and they, were, they, were, they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't follow okay. God. They wouldn't. Doesn't they matter. would not worship on the correct Sabbath. They were disobedient. God sent so them you a have, prophet. So you have to, and you're saying you have that to we do don't works. have to hear you have to, a prophet. You have to do works. You have to do works. You have to do works. So no Jesus one was saved Christ, by obedience. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of works and faith. So, that is that is false doctrine, and because those false doctrines were taught, God had to send so you don't, a prophet you don't think, you don't, to restore what's more important, the true interpretation of Scripture. See, you, you have been taught by false prophets and false teachers, which are in every pulpit all around the world. What's more important than believing on Jesus Christ? What's more important? Is Joseph Smith higher than Jesus Christ? No. Okay. But if you don't hear so don't the prophet that comes to restore the truth, then you believe in false doctrine in your day. Do you think do you think the Bible do you think the Bible gives us a way to live and worship God? The Bible, without incorrect interpretation of scripture by the Holy Spirit, gives you many different paths to worship and believe in so, God. So why do why do why do we need to worship a man who like, you know, fled on two wives, was convicted of, you know, usury and all this stuff. That doesn't sound like a godly man to me. When you believe all the lies that Satan sends towards a true well, prophet... I mean, well, wait, wait, wait. No, it's, it's you not don't a get lie. revelation it's not, it's not a for lie. yourself. It is a it's, lie. It's There's so lie. many lies. It's not a lie. Look, he left, if he God left, raises he, up a true prophet, Satan is going to come is against anger. that prophet this is anger. with his ministers. I've been very respect. I've been very respectful to you. I've gave respect to your beliefs. You and you're being very angry. do not respect my beliefs because you won't even hear yes, I what do. I have to say. You will because not you're even saying, hear what I have to say. You're, you're saying, saying that stuff. because somebody so, so Jesus Christ was uh, accused of being all sorts of stuff. Just because somebody accused him doesn't mean that they were true. It doesn't mean that they're true. You tell me. You tell me. What's more important? What's more? What is more important to you? Believing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ or following the LDS Church? What's more important? He believing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but you see, this guy he wants to he wants to read. Some anti-Mormon literature, and that's all. No, he it's not anti-Mormon. He's looking it's, it's, it's anti-Catholic. Anti- it's anti-Catholic. It's anti-Catholic. It's anti-Catholic. It's anti-Mormon. It's anti-Islam. All you need, if you're listening, all you need is Jesus Christ. You don't have to follow a certain school. You, that, all you need Jesus is the, Christ. The, the Which Jesus Christ? The Greek one or the Hebrew one? Which one? I don't know. You, the one that doesn't have me. a body, or the one that does have a body? Which one? What do you believe? Because there's so many different versions of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what I believe in. If you get revelation about who Jesus Christ is, you're a devil. You're a devil. You're a devil. You're attacking (laughs) Jesus Christ now. 
You're attacking the idea of Jesus Christ. Which one? Which one? Which one? There's so many different see, versions see, of Jesus Christ. Which one do this I have anger. to follow? It's this righteous indignation. This, this is righteous anger. indignation against false prophets and false teachers, which, sir, you are this is and anger. you learn by. This is anger. You follow this false is anger. teachings. This is, when you, this is when you get a false. This is. I'm not. I'm not putting up with his stuff. I don't care if he hangs up. If you um, believe still with in the same false thing. doctrine, yes, you will be damned. So which? Well, I mean, when it's I still say the same thing. Jesus he wasn't Christ, following a linear argument. He wasn't following a linear argument. He kept saying the same thing again, which we already talked about. We did not believe that a church is going to get you where you are. And no matter how many different ways you say it, yes, Jesus Christ is the most important. He is important. Yes, Jesus Christ is important. It is important to follow Jesus Christ. There's like 30 different ways that you could probably say that statement. It still makes it true, makes it true, makes it true. However, just because God gave one gift need not suppose that he gives another. Also, scriptural. And it says in the Bible, it says that they are waiting for these two witnesses. That's what we're waiting for, these two witnesses. And nobody has seen that yet. And um, from what I can gather from what he was saying was that he believes that the two witnesses were not God's prophets. They were devil's prophets. Well, he thinks that they're Joseph Smith and Muhammad, which is the first time I've ever heard that argument. But uh, why would God raise up two prophets from the dead and bring them up to his throne in the heavens if they're false prophets? So, see, that, that interpretation of Scripture by this individual, whoever taught him that, they received that from lying spirits. And, Je- and Paul said to Timothy, try the spirits, for thereby many false prophets have gone out into the world. See, false prophets receive revelation by demons to, to give you false doctrines. And see, that's what that man believed. He never went to God to find out if that's what the scripture meant. And he never got confirmation of the spirit to find out if that was the truth. He simply spouts off the, the things that he believes sound good to his ears. And in so doing, he promulgates false doctrines, which is why you need true prophets. Because many false prophets have gone out because they get inter- false interpretations by demons who give them revelation. Also, what I was God going to say was that um, he wasn't actually interested in he wasn't actually interested in the answers that were being given. So he'd ask a question, and once you started to answer it, um, to and you were trying to answer it to the fullest ability that you had, he would interject before you could finish your statement well, because he said, it was his way of attacking while he while he you were trying said to answer. That he wanted he and I hear this lie, lie from Protestants all the time. Oh, they just want to understand our theology. But when you try to tell them our theology, they accuse you, which, by the way, is what Satan does. So you're a child of Satan when you do that. They accuse you of things you did not say. They try to twist your words, and they will not hear the full word. He wasn't interested in finding out about what I believe or what Mormons believe. He was only interested in trying to find things that he could attack about the Mormon church and the prophet Joseph Smith so that he could talk to the people that are listening out there so that he could get them to just believe in Jesus Christ. But what I'm saying is, which Jesus are you going to believe? Are you going to believe in the Roman Catholic Jesus 
or the Greek Jesus or the Baptist Jesus or the Methodist Jesus because, like it or not, they all believe different things about Jesus Christ and different interpretations of Scripture according to whatever theology they had, and none of it was taught them, to them by prophets. Martin Luther was not a prophet. John Calvin was not a prophet. Wesley and Tyndale were not prophets. They may have been inspired in certain parts, but they also taught many false doctrines, and that's why you've got so many false, false teachings and false prophets in the land. And that's why Jesus Christ made it known to, to Paul the Apostle that there would be a time of restitution of all things. And that John the Revelator saw in the last days that an angel would come from the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth. <coughs> on the earth, crying with a loud voice saying, Repent, repent, the day of the Lord is at hand. That happens in the last days. Why would that need to happen? Because there are so many false teachers and false churches out there that want to steer you incorrectly in false interpretations and give you the doctrine of demons and the opinions of men mingled with Scripture. And in order to restore the church in the true interpretation of Scripture, God had a prophet, and his name was Joseph Smith. And furthermore, in, back, or in um, Ezekiel 37, it says that God would send two witnesses, that there would be two records, one from the tribe of Judah and one from the tribe of Joseph, and that they would be two, one in nine hands. And uh, Amos says, um, you know, it is by the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word is established. Now, the, the stick of Ephraim is not the Bible. The Bible comes from Judah. So where's the stick of Ephraim? You don't think this man, Zachary, doesn't think that there's any other reason to have any other revelation other than the Bible? Well, one of the things I was trying to say is, which interpretation of the Bible are you going to follow? Because you could follow the, the New International Version, which was created by people who do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, and they removed many things out of Scripture that, that they didn't agree with. And they weren't prophets, but they did that because they were demons, or they were controlled by demons with their false doctrines. Can I say one more thing? False teachers. Go ahead. I just want to address something else. Um, hopefully he hasn't hung up so that he can hear. A lot of um, the other things, so there's, there's a difference between um, the way that you ask questions or you attack with questioning. So if, if everybody's trying to come in the unity of the faith and all be of one mind and all understanding, then we would all be willing to listen as well as when we ask a question, what is the reasoning for the question? Is it to tear down? Is it to hurt, upset, or anger? Or is it because you genuinely, genuinely would like to know? So that is my, um, the way that I am thinking about all of this is that um, it didn't feel like you really do want wanted. to know. It just feels like you want to, yeah. The lie, the lie that that man told when I was in the call screening room was that he just wanted to understand what we believe, because he didn't know very much about Mormonism. And then mm -hmm. he starts quoting all this crap that he's read about Mormonism from these anti -Mormon, yeah. this anti-Mormon literature, which means he lied to me to get on the right. program, 
He wasn't interested in finding out what we believe. He was only interested in bringing up questions so that he could tear us down because he thinks that he's doing God a service by exposing false doctrines. But what he so is then my doing other thing, oh, sorry. Then the other thing I was is he's to perpetuating say is that, false doctrines that he believes yes. that other men have written these things down, but he's no prophet. He doesn't yeah. get revelation. So, he said that there was no reason to have prophets on okay, the earth today. Can I address that really quick? Okay. Yeah, so a lot on. of the things that he was saying, and I wanted to be able to teach him before um, he hung up, so hopefully he is listening. A lot of the things he was saying in the same question over and over, all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. That's it. Just believe in him. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Good job. Believe. That's all he believes. Well, okay. I, I don't what agree does with it? that. Hold on. Completely. Hold on. Not done. Not done. Hold on. Don't do like what he's doing. Hold on. Okay. Believe. The definition of that is to accept as true, feel sure of the truth of. So he feels like all you do is just believe it, then you are saved, because he thinks that's all there is to it. However, if you read the other 99% of Jesus' teachings and of what he was about when he was here on earth, loving others as loving yourself, if you believe this man is who he says he is, then let me pose the question, would you then go and commit adultery? Would you then go and do contrary to... But you're saved by grace. You can do whatever you want as long right, as you yes. believe so and everybody is going to be if saved. You're believing? If you truly were Except, believing that this man is who he says he is and that this is what he was teaching, you have to believe in the 99% of all the other things he did when he's here. And therefore you would show with your body, heart, and mind that you did believe what he was saying. You would want to, what, probably Faith get more knowledge, understanding. Dead. Yeah, Jacob, so that's what I, mean, I was saying. James, faith without works is dead. He wants to say that you're saved by grace alone, and you are, but God doesn't save you in your sins. He saves you from your sins. He doesn't save the rebellious people who believe in Jesus Christ but then go off and do whatever the hell they want to do. He saves people who will listen to what he has said, who are obedient to his commandments, and as they make mistakes, like we all do because we're all fallen, uh, you know, uh, fallen people, that when we make mistakes, we can rely upon Jesus Christ through his grace and by faith in him to receive a remission of our sins so that we can make mistakes, learn from them, and, and correct ourselves in that we are trying to be obedient to what he has asked us to do. Yeah, for example, but, let me just give this quick example. It goes exactly with what you're saying. Okay. I can believe that water is going to quench my thirst. I can believe that water is a true thing and that putting water in my body will keep me from dying. I can believe that. Is that going to save me from dying of dehydration? Um, nope. No. You have to do the I work of drinking it. And stick it into my body to not die of dehydration. I can believe in water all I want. I can believe that water is healthy for me. I can believe that water is all that it's going to take for me to quench my thirst. I can believe that it's going to help me not to pass out. I can believe all of that all I want. But unless if I actually take the water into my mouth, 
it's not going to save me from dehydration. It's the same thing. You can believe that that is true. You can believe in God, but you need to show your belief in him. You need to follow him, do the things he has said, the other 99% of what he taught. You need to do that. Well, he came as an example. He came as an example of how we should live. And um, you can believe in Jesus Christ and be disobedient to him and not be saved. So confession and belief do not save you. Obedience to his commandments and doing what he has said along with confession is is what saves you. Um, repent, every one of you, and believe in Jesus Christ and be baptized. That is in the book of Acts. But he says you don't need to worry about that because confession or because just believing just believing is all you really need. And that's not all you really need because you can believe in the doctrine of devils and lies and receive false revelation. Hold on. Oh, okay. Thanks. My wife just gave me what she needed to give me. Um, there's actually more to the whole program than just confessing. You have to try the spirits because many false prophets and false doctrines and false teachers have been sent out into the world. That's why there are thousands of different religions in this world. And in order to know the truth, God will send a prophet, which he has, and his name was Joseph Smith, and myself to restore the truth to get people to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as he wants you to believe him with true interpretation of Scripture. And then he wants you to go to God and make sure that the things that you are believing are true. You have to do the works. You don't get to salvation by just believing. Works are part of it. doesn't mean that those works save you. But if you don't do the works and you only do one part of it, you will be damned because you are going to believe in false doctrines. Can I say one more? It's kind of like a a little parable, but like a story. Um, It's like I know a lot of people have heard this story before. But it's just like the man who believed God was going to save him. So when police, like he was, there was a storm coming. It was an epic storm. It was coming. And he was warned by the officials, by the local authorities, that he needed to get out of the area that he was living in, out of his home. He needed to leave because it was going to flood. And the man said to the authorities, no, I'm going to stay here and wait it out because I believe God is going to save me. I believe with all my heart that God is going to save me. So they said, okay, and they left. Well, the water started rising. It was raining and pouring and and having this uh, flood going on in his hometown. And the rain and flood came on, and the, the his house started filling up with water. And it was raising so much, he said, fine, I'm just going to go to the second story of my house. And that's what he did. And somebody came by after that a rescue crew in a rowboat and said, come on, come on, get in the boat, get in the boat. 
and uh, we're going to save you. Come on, we're going we're gonna to help you get to shore. And the man said, no, because I believe in God, and God is going to save the people who are like, no, no, come on, we're, we're here to help, we're here to save you. And he said, no, I believe in God, I'm going to stay here, I know God is going to save me. So the people left him there. And soon enough, the water kept on rising and rising, and he ended up having to climb out his window, get on top of his roof, because he didn't want to drown, and the flood just kept on rising. So he's sitting on top of his roof. And then a helicopter comes with another crew in it. And the crew is saying, it comes, they come down with a ladder, and they're trying to save him. Come on, let's go. Get up on the ladder. They're trying to save him. Get on the helicopter. We're going to take you um, to safety. And the man says again, no. I know that God is going to save me. I'm going to stay here in my home, in my place, because God is going to save me right where I'm at. God is going to save me. So then, a little bit later, the man dies in the flood. And he goes up to heaven and, you know, talks with God. And God, and he says, God, I believed in you. I believed in you, just like you said. I believe that you were going to save me. Why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you a warning. I sent you a rescue boat, and I sent you a helicopter. What else did you need from me? And it was only because this man died, only because he had no works. He would not reach to God. He would not go that little bit further just to grab onto God's lifeboat, grab onto his ladder into the helicopter. God sends people. He sends prophets. He sends messages. We all learn by each other. That's what we do. We learn by other people's experiences. We learn by our own experiences. We have the Holy Spirit who speaks through other people and through us um, to help each other. We're supposed to be doing this all together in the unity of faith. We're supposed to be building each other up and helping each other out, not cutting each other down and trying to tear each other's beliefs down. That's not what we're doing. We're teaching. We're in an environment that is wholeheartedly all over the place based on learning, on how we learn differently, and it's all just based on getting there together in the unity of the faith. And all we need to do is trust in God. Yes, that's what we do need to do. Trust him. Have faith in him. But we also need to get confirmation of the spirit and we need to help each other out and know that God is using his prophet. You, we've also, yeah, I, you know, I'm going up the hill, so we got to end this, but true prophets don't point you to themselves. They point you to God. And with Joseph Smith, he restored the truth as the early saints understood it and as was taught, which was corrupted over time. He also restored something called the priesthood. And uh, you don't get the priesthood by going to a seminary or just believing. According to the scriptures, you get the priesthood by the laying on of hands, by one having authority, like Aaron did with Moses. Moses had authority. It was given to him by Jethro. And he gave that, that authority to Aaron in order to work in the priesthood and to do the ordinances of salvation, which are beyond the just belief and the grace, but actually the works of salvation, which is believing and being baptized by one having authority. You have to have that priesthood or somebody, you know, with that priesthood, 
to do the ordinances, which was restored by the prophet Joseph Smith by the laying on of hands of Peter, James, and John, and John the Baptist. That's why Joseph Smith is so important. Because God sent a prophet to the people, just like he did with Jeremiah to the apostate, disobedient Jews of his day to restore truth, to get the people to repent. Joseph Smith was the same tool in God's hands, and I am the same tool in, those, in God's hands as well. Anyway, I need to do the, uh, the music, and I'm about to lose it. Kim, don't hang up until the music's over with, okay? And, and uh, anybody, you know, we'll have the phone lines open again tomorrow. Anybody can call in, whatever. And, um, but we've run out of time for tonight. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless. And good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.